Father, in the name that's above every name, we come to you today. We give you thanks, Lord, for the answered prayers. We thank you for Orla. Oh, Father, would you bless Orla and Jay and their family, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that you are still in the business of saving precious souls. And we just pray for Orla this morning that you would, oh God, just fill her with your spirit, with your power, with your love. For Jay, Lord, just surround this family. Do a wonderful work in them. You already have begun and do a wonderful work through them for your glory. We thank you for this wee baby, Lord. Oh God, just come on home, Lord. We give you the praise that you hear and you do answer prayer. We remember all the rest of the needs that have been mentioned here this morning, Lord, I've already brought them uh, openly, Lord, to your people and before your throne. And Lord, we pray, Lord, as we lift every one of them to your throne this morning, that you would hear, that you would answer, that you'd move by your great power, that you would save, Lord, that you would heal, that you would deliver, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We think of our gospel outreach tonight, Lord. Would you draw some weary soul just to listen in uh, for those few moments? And would you save by your great power, Lord? Only you can do the saving, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray that you would use the preaching of your gospel as it goes forth, Lord, across these airwaves, across these different platforms, Lord. We ask that you would use it for the extension of your kingdom and for the glory of Jesus and for your glory alone. Oh, God, this morning we pray, Lord, for our gift day. Lord, you know the great financial need there is. We're asking today, Lord, that you would open the windows of heaven. You pour out your spirit and pour out the blessing of the Lord, Lord, upon your word. Work here in Balnehinch. And Lord, that you indeed, Lord, we get the glory and the praise. Father, we pray, Lord, as we give faithfully, sacrificially, you would take our five loaves and two fish. And Lord, that you would multiply it for the furtherance of your kingdom. Lord, in the name of Jesus, bless your people. Lord, for the needs that are spoken and unspoken, Lord, across our small congregation. We're just asking that your blessing would be upon each and every one. Encourage us, Lord, for those that are maybe struggling, Lord, or finding it difficult in this lockdown. Lord, we pray that you'd encourage them and strengthen them. They'd know the love of God. They'd know that they're not on their own, that you're with them. Lord, would you continue to bless and strengthen. May we keep our eyes upon you. We're asking, Lord, that this lockdown would be lifted, that your people might meet again, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you for those men that are making a stand, Lord, for your for your body to meet together, for the churches to open. And Lord, we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, your timing is perfect. But Lord, would you lift this lockdown, Lord, that the assembling of your people might happen again, Lord, for your glory. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we keep our eyes upon you. Now, bless your word to your hearts this morning. Speak into your hearts. Lord, anoint, Lord, this vessel this morning, Lord. I pray that you would take the words of this mouth and the meditation of this heart, and it would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, and that you would use it, Lord, to speak Lord, to some poor soul this morning, speak to your church this morning. Lord, I pray, give us ears. Lord, we're asking, oh, Father, for those ears to hear what the Spirit is truly saying to the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible this morning, you can turn with me to 1 Kings and chapter 18. That's 1, 1 Kings and chapter 18. And we're going to read from verse uh, 41, 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to read from verse 41. Now, if you haven't got a Bible, you can just listen to the reading, that's fine. But I want to recap uh, just in the last few weeks, 
that we have been looking at this subject of what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. What, what is God saying at this time? And uh, the first week, we, if you remember, we looked at the, the ability to hear how the pattern in Scripture, whether it was with Ezekiel or whether it was with John, that there was the vision and then there was the humility and then there was the voice, that there was a humility in the hearts of his servants in order that they could hear what the Spirit is saying, that they seen the Lord, but then when they humbled themselves before the Lord, then they had the ability to hear what God was going to say, how that's so important. And we see in that first week that Christ was at the door of that church in the Laodicea, in that last church, and Christ was at the door seeking to come in, and it took a, an act of humility for a man or a woman or a corporate body to open the door and say, Lord, we don't want to have church anymore without Jesus. We want you to be the center of it all. Then that second week, last week, we were looking at that prophetic Babylon system and its fall because the Bible says it will fall, the great fall of that mystery Babylon, the great, that it will come down, that religious economic and social a system that has risen up that is all around us is about to fall it will fall the bible tells us it will fall so it will fall because god's word will be fulfilled and so we understand that there was a call from the spirit of the lord that the church of jesus christ needs to disentangle itself from that babylonian system as much as we possibly can because that system is going to come down and then this morning, what the Spirit has said to the church in the subtitle of this is the sound, the sound of the abundance of rain. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time <clears throat> that he said, Behold, there ariseth a, a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jez Jezreel. And we know the Lord had blessed the reading of his word, this wonderful account of this abundance of rain that was outpoured it was just after a great and a mighty conflict on Mount Carmel, known as one of the great revivals in the Old Testament. The whole of Israel was in a backslidden state. The servant of the Lord Elijah was met with the prophets of Baal, those that opposed themselves against the things of God and God himself caused the people of God to backslide. They were completely in a backslidden state. But the Lord sent the prophet Elijah, and this is in a time 
of, of a great drought. There was no rain. And Elijah comes and there's a great conflict on that mount. We see him repairing the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. And that speaks of a, of a place of prayer, a place of intimacy, a place of intercession where men would come to God and meet with God. But that had been broken. And Elijah, the first thing that he puts back in its place was that altar of prayer and that intercession before the Lord. And that is the first thing that we must see again restored in to the church of Jesus Christ we must repair that altar of intercession know what it is to call upon the Lord of heaven and on earth to intercede at the throne of God at the altars of the living God to come before him and to seek the face of God to call upon the God of heaven and so Elijah repairs the altar calls on the God that answers by fire and the fire of the God falls on that great revival in that Old Testament and then we we move in here and see that the enemy has now been defeated. Praise the Lord. Thank God that the enemy is a defeated foe. We see that there's a great reviving in the hearts of the people of God. They're revived and they return to the Lord. Oh, for a revival in the church of Jesus Christ, that there's a turning with the heart. When we seek the Lord with all of our heart, we're finding him. And there's a turning again to Jesus, not to the things, but into the for the person of Christ himself. The Bible tells us if, if you turn over into the, the book of James, just for a moment, I want you to look at this man, Elijah. There's much said about him in the scriptures, but one thing that we note about Elijah in James chapter 5, if you turn over in the scripture, James chapter 5 and verse 13, I want us to look at this man, Elijah, just for a little moment, because this man is a, a very a very uh, prominent figure as one of the prophets of the Lord. But in James 5, we read in verse 13, the scripture says, Is any among you afflicted? If you're afflicted this morning, is there affliction? It says, let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. This is the important uh, the important aspect of the assembly of God's people. And, and I've been much thought on the last few days of the necessity of God's people meeting together, an assembly of God's people. And I, I pray that this lockdown is going to lift very soon, friends, because I believe passionately in the assembly of God's people as the day of the Lord approaches. And the more this lockdown goes forward, you can see that there's a very sinister uh, kingdom, Antichrist kingdom behind the whole maneuvering of all of this, what's taking place. The, the virus is real, and we have su submit ourselves to the authorities at this time, and it is absolutely right to do so. But there's always a sinister movement that is behind these things. This is not a conspiracy theory, but this is an antichrist world that's rising to bring the control of every human in this planet, and we're heading towards that. And I want to say to you this morning how important it is for the church to get back again to the place of prayer, a house of prayer, to seek the Lord together. You know, this is the answer, and you know, this, this, this will be a time, but I'm praying very urgently that the Lord would lift this lockdown, that God's people can get back together 
together again in the place of prayer. It's been a blessed time in many ways as families, and that will continue on. It's been a blessed time to, to get refocused. But brothers and sisters, there's an urgency in this hour of God's people meeting together with that kindred spirit, with that, that, that intercession, that spirit of intercession upon them. And so we see the Bible says here, let them call for the elders if someone's sick. Let them call for the elders of that local church and they will come and pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, there is a prayer of faith in the body of Christ. God has ordained it to be a body and to be an assembly. But there is a prayer of faith in that assembly when the, when the elders would anoint one who is sick in body. This is the word of the Lord this morning. They would anoint him. But thank God there is a prayer of faith in the church of Jesus Christ. Thank God there's a prayer of faith this morning that could be prayed within the body of Christ. Thank God this morning that God has purposed that when men full of the Holy Ghost would anoint a man or a woman who's sick in body with that oil just as that symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says there's a prayer of faith. And I mean, we need a prayer of faith this morning. And that prayer of faith is going to deliver the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And the Bible says in verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Here's the assembly functioning. And these things are being, at this present time, are, are being taken from us. But I pray that this lockdown is going to lift and lift very soon. But pray one for another that you might be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, the Bible says, availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer, the energy in prayer, the, the, the man that seeks the Lord with a fervency, that it avails much. And verse 17 says this concerning Elijah. Elijah was a man. This, this is what the Bible says. Elijah was a man. Just listen to those words. He wasn't a superhuman. He wasn't anything different to anybody else, any other man that you and I would know. Elijah was simply a man. But he was subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed. Here's another cry. There's a prayer earnestly that it may not rain. This is an intercession. This was a cry from Elijah. He prayed that it would not rain. This is at the time when Israel was backslidden. And it says, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. A man prayed to God. And he prayed earnestly to God that God would not send rain for three years and six months. And God answered that prayer. Verse 18 says, And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. When he prayed and the rain came, there was a bringing forth of fruit. We see here this man Elijah it says two words, he was a man, these two words, like passions. That means he was a man that felt and had feelings like what you have. 
He experienced fear. He experienced isolation. He experienced discouragement. He knew what it was in himself to think that everything within him was falling apart. He knew what it was to come up against the enemy. He knew what it was at times that he that he would run from the enemy. He knew what it was to find himself isolated in a cave. He knew what it was to feel as though he was the only one. He was a man just like you, and he was a man just like me but still in that he was a man that prayed he was a man that sought the living God here's a man that could hear the sound of the abundance of rain when there wasn't a cloud in the sky but he had an ability to hear that no one else around him was hearing that there was the sound of the abundance of rain I want you to hear me this morning this is so important because hearing is the critical part of the church to be able to hear. It's so important that a believer, a Christian, hears what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church at this time. We we looked in that first week that that Laodicean church, it was the final church age, particularly in the Western age. That final church age had everything. They were in need of nothing. They had the abundance of every type of, of, of material blessing you could imagine. They, they had all the abundance of religious material that you could have. And just like today, there is a range of, of much availability to us of every type of resource in, in, in the Christian church today. If you're not liking the message, you can click over and go into someone else in a click of a finger. And likewise, people are clicking about to try and hear what God is saying. But in that age of that Laodicean age, it must, it must have been a time because Christ was on the outside knocking the door to come in. So there was still the message that was being proclaimed in the church. There was still a preacher that preached even though Christ was not in the midst. And we are sort of have come to uh, this this time again where we have the abundance of everything. We have the abundance of all the religious material. We have the abundance of all the teaching. We have the abundance of all the material blessings. And the emphasis on the message today has become one of taking the great truths of grace and love and mercy with no balance in the Scripture. Now the Bible says that a false balance is an abomination. And so there's no preaching or little preaching of what it is to live a holy life or the fear of the Lord or the responsibility of a Christian to live a life according to God's purpose. Because when you begin to preach the full counsel of God, it begins to disturb men. So the whole emphasis of the message is, is on the things that have no responsibility upon man. I want to tell you, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and you've got to follow me. I love the great messages on the grace of God, on the grace, on the love of Christ, on the mercy of God. Thank God for those great truths. But we must bring in a, a, a full balance to those great messages. And so the Laodicean church want to hear a tickling message, keeps them very comfortable in where they are. They only hear what particularly they want to hear. We can become so set in our way that we only hear what basically strengthens 
our belief structure or, or our tradition. And they may be good in some senses, but many of them are vain tradition of men. And so we hear things that simply will keep our belief structure in place and that we will not in any way move beyond that structure. So we'll only listen to certain things in order to keep us in a secure place. But then there are times, and I believe we're coming and we're in those times. And stay with me this morning if you can. But then there are times in the whole history of faith that God begins to move on someone or someones, and he begins to speak into their lives. He begins, he begins to speak into those, those individual hearts that do have ears that are hearing what the Spirit is saying. And now God is wanting to move them beyond the current structure or pattern or system that they've become familiar with. Now it requires on their part as they hear God speaking an act of faith an obedience to the word of God. They cannot see God, but they believe they're hearing the word of the Lord. And so they begin to make the steps of obedience and faith in the word of the living God. And now they begin to realize that anything of what's going to happen here will not happen by any human effort, but it's absolutely impossible with man, but it's possible with God. And so the terms like they, they, they will launch out or they will step over or they will enter into. And this is not so much about the geographical, but this is about a spiritual move of the Spirit of God. Now already you might find, if you've been listening this morning, some form of conflict that is arising. Some will immediately grab back again to the structure that they have created and say, this is what I believe, this is how I've been taught, this is what I've been brought up in, and this is what I know is good. And they might straight away grab again, just like a toddler is is trying to walk and you try to encourage them away from the, the, the very edge of the city and they maybe take a step and then they fall back again upon that chair. But I know in our hearts, that we're looking to, to see a new thing in the Lord, to see a move of the Spirit of God. God, friends, we cry often for a move of God, but God does not need to move. What needs to move is the church of Jesus Christ. Now I'm encouraging us, even as a body this morning, this local assembly of which God has placed us, I'm encouraging us this morning in this time to consider that God, including me, as God is, is, is encouraging us to move with him and to step out from so often the structures that keep us feeling comfortable. We're ready to move with the Lord. To hear requires, remember, again, a humble heart. It requires a humility to, to get low before the Lord. It's not so much us that, that are telling God and so often Prayer becomes a one-way thing. It's what we're saying to God. We thank Him. We praise Him for what He's done. We bring our prayer requests. We go through all the ABCs. At the end of it, we say amen and we leave. But maybe God is saying, I want to speak back. 
Maybe God's saying, I want to speak to you. Maybe God is saying, I want to speak to your heart. Maybe God is saying, I've heard your prayers. I accept your worship. I thank you for praising me. I thank you for bringing your petitions to the throne of grace. I hear and I answer prayer. But I want you to hear what I have to say. I want to speak to my people. I want to speak into your life. I want to hear your prayers. But do you want to hear my voice? Do you want to hear what I have to say to you? And so often our prayers are just giving it up to God. We tell him everything and we close the book and we walk away. And God's saying, but I want to speak. And sometimes we need to just be quiet. Sometimes we just need to open our ears. Sometimes we need to open our hearts because he has a speaking voice. And God wants to say something into our lives. So much of the church resides in a place of total relative comfort. But friends, there comes a time that God is speaking to us and he's saying, I want you to move. This, again, I stress, is not so much geographical because God wants us, it's a condition of our heart. It's a condition of our humility before God, that God moves us spiritually. Then if God needs to move us geographically, that's not going to be a problem. But the first thing is, it's a move in our hearts. You know, these things have always happened throughout the history of faith. You find the most unusual things begin to take place when God begins to move in such a way. Faith you see, goes beyond the structure and the ability of man. It takes us beyond the form of something that we have. I'm not saying it's all wrong. What I'm saying is that God wants to move us beyond even that. But you think about it in time. If you wake up one morning, you can hear the, the, the cutting down of a tree. And you hear another one being cut. And you say to your wife, somebody's cutting trees. I wonder why. And you rise up out of your bed. This is exactly how it happened. And you go out and you see a man and his family. And they've begun to cut down trees. And they're gathering all the logs. And they're putting it together. And they're starting to build some type of structure. And you say to him, excuse me, sir, could we ask you a question? Why are you cutting down these trees? Why are you bringing all this wood? What structure are you building? And this man turns and says to you, I'm building a boat. Because God's told me he's going to judge the world. And I'm building this boat to the saving of my family. You know what everyone thought of Noah. They believed he was a madman. But Noah moved beyond the structure of that day. Because he knew God had spoke into his heart. And God was moving him into a place where he had to trust God and act. And the Bible tells us by faith Noah being warned of God of the things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the whole world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Because he moved, people thought he was mad. We will have to face the ridicule even of some religious people. But that ridicule is so important. The opposition is important. What people say against you is important. Why is it important? Because it keeps us humble before the Lord. Let men have their say. Let men have their opinions. Let men look down upon you though you're doing something insignificant. But friends, this morning, let God be our judge and let God be the one that leads us. These things will happen. 
Here we see it throughout all the history of time. You know, I was thinking of some of those men that we read of. I thought of Mr. Seymour in the Azusa Street Revival, a black man that wasn't even allowed to sit in the Bible school, in the Bible class. He had to sit in a room outside, a man that was excluded in the structure of society because simply because of the color of his skin. But it was that man that God was going to use. God was going to take that man and use him in that Azusa Street Revival. God was going to move beyond the structures of of men. God moved, you know, they thought they were right and segregating the whites and the black men and his arrogance and his, and his hatred for one another. But God sees no barriers. God sees no color. God sees no creeds. Doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor. Doesn't matter whether you're educated or not. Doesn't matter what, what tribe or tongue you're from. Thank God, God's looking available vessels and he uses men like that for revival. I was thinking of the Reverend Alexander Body. He was a, a, an Anglican minister who was wonderfully baptized in the Holy Ghost. You see, God's not concerned with your structure, with your denomination, or with your label, but he baptized an Anglican minister in the power of the Holy Ghost, and he began to speak in tongues, and he had those special secret meetings, but he wasn't allowed to have them in the main Anglican church, and so he had them in a minor hall just down the road, but praise the Lord in that hall, that's where the Holy Ghost came down, and all his power and all his glory because a man wasn't so much interested in his title or his position or the credibility or or what men would think of him. He had an encounter with the power of the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in the Spirit speaking in tongues and they were ridiculed but God came in his awesome power. It was in that kitchen in that room that, that Smith Wigglesworth was wonderfully baptized in the Holy Ghost. God was moving beyond the boundaries and the structures of men. He's a rewarder, the Bible says, of those that diligently seek him. You see, you'll hear his voice if your heart is humble. You'll be obedient to his word. That's going to take courage. You hear him this morning speaking to your life, but it's going to take courage to obey him. And lastly, another thing that sadly is all almost gone from the church there's a cost that we will pay there's a sacrifice you know I have a wee message there I've had it for a few months I know the Lord gave me it I've never preached it yet but it's called the costliness of serving of serving Jesus there's a joy in serving it's such a privilege to serve the Lord in whatever capacity he's called us to serve but it costs us to serve Jesus is costing us something. You know, we've taken that away from the church today, that it is costing you something to serve him. God is now speaking to us. I pray that God's got someone's attention, speaking to someone's heart. God is speaking to you and speaking to me. God doesn't need anything from us. He's God this morning. But if you will, he is willing. If you draw nigh, He'll draw near to you. That's the principle. We end up so often like the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, if you go back to this this chapter for a moment, you know, as you're turning there, but you know in, in the history of Israel, they'd come through a wilderness 
At the time when they were due to enter in, they, they had listened to the bad report of those ten spies. And so because they were in unbelief that they turned away from what God wanted to do at that time, and Caleb and Joshua tried to encourage them that, that we're well able to take the land. And now for something like 38 years, 39 years, they've been wandering in that wilderness. A whole generation had died in unbelief, and now a new generation had come. But in Deuteronomy chapter 2, it tells us these words, verse 1, Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spake unto me. And we compassed Mount Seir many days, and the Lord spake unto me, saying, Now look at this for a moment. They're walking in the will and the purpose of God. God had instructed them. The Lord spake unto me. And we compassed Mount Seir many days. God had directed them. They were walking in obedience to God's word. And now the Lord spake unto me. Verse 2 saying, listen to this. Ye have compassed this mountain long enough. We have gone round this time and time again. Many times have you heard this. And then the Lord says, I want you to turn northward and command out the people saying, ye are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir, and they shall be afraid of you. Take ye good heed unto yourselves, therefore. Now listen to these words. Meddle not with them. For I will not give you of their land, no, not so much as a footbreadth, because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for a possession. Now we're going round this mountain, as the Lord had commanded them to do so. God had directed them. They're coming to the end of their wilderness experience, their lockdown, whatever you want to call it. But now God is saying, I'm pointing you northward and you're going to go into everything that I have for you. You've gone round this mountain time and time again. But I want to move you away from that which you've become familiar with, which you've become settled with. But I'm going to move you into something that is off me and it is for you and it is my my blessing and my promise to you. So they begin to move, but the Lord says, before you do so, I want you to take heed to something as you're moving. The children of Esau, your brethren, are there. But I don't want you to meddle with them in any way, for I am not going to give you their land. Now listen, this is important. You know, the meddling or the being a partaker of the children of Esau, when you go back, you know that Esau was the one that sold his birthright, sold the blessing of the Lord just for the gratify his own flesh. He is everything of that flesh, whether it's religious or otherwise. But when he came in and Jacob was eating that pot of stew, you know, it was Esau said, you know, give me off your stew. And Jacob says, if you give me your birthright, you can have the stew. It was in that moment for his flesh he took that pot of stew and he sold his birthright. He sold the blessing of the Lord. And so they're about to come into contact with the same a spiritual DNA, if you like, of the children of Esau. And God says, I don't want you to meddle with them. I don't want you to interact with them because this land's not your promise. This land is not what I promised you. But this land looked fertile. 
This land looked good after 38, 39 years, coming up to 40 years of wandering in a wilderness. And now your brethren come out, and your brethren says, you can come. You can partake of this. You can have part of this land. And God's saying, don't you meddle with this. And what you've been seeking and what you've been pursuing, what you've been asking, it's so easy, saints, at this stage of the journey to turn and say, well, we'll settle because these are our brethren. These are our people. We can settle with them and we can settle down on this side. But God said, I don't want you to interact with them. What you've been looking for, what you've been seeking, what you've been after, don't you meddle or settle down at the Mount Seir. And so it's important to understand that those that have been seeking to be filled with the Holy Ghost, don't settle with your brethren, the brethren of Esau that sold the blessing for the gratification of their flesh. They didn't want to go beyond the structure for those that are seeking that deeper walk, for those that are seeking the call of God upon their lives. The children of Esau are always going to come out and God said, don't meddle with them because I've purposed your walk, I've purposed your life. I've been with you through the wilderness, but I have a promise for you. And you seek me with all of your heart, you'll find me. And God's going to bless it. For some that seek in these things, it's so important that you don't meddle with the children of Esau. Don't sell for what God has not promised. Don't sell for what looks right, sounds right, and settle on this side. But God's wanting us to go through. You're going to hear from the children of Esau, you'll hear the voice of reason. You're going to hear the voice of good ideas. You're going to hear the voice of human wisdom. You're going to hear the voice of common sense. You're going to hear the voice of church tradition. You're going to hear many voices that will speak. And these are all from the children of Esau. Let me tell you, friends, this morning, those voices are never going to say, come Step out of that boat. Those voices are never going to say, walk on the water. Those voices are never going to say, sell all and follow me. Those voices are never going to say, yes, you've toiled all night, but would you go back out again and you drop the net at the right side of the boat and I'll give you a fish or a catch of precious souls. The voice that speaks the impossible is the voice of Jesus. The voice that speaks the possible is always the voice of man. And there's many voices from the children of Esau on this side of the Jordan. And God's saying, I don't want you to meddle with them. When he speaks, he'll speak that which is impossible. But with him and with our God, all things are possible. It's all in the ability for us this morning to hear what the Spirit is saying. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Elijah, in our reading this morning, is standing after that great conflict on Mount Carmel. It's the ability to hear that no one else could hear. It's truly remarkable when he turns to the servant and he says these words. Think about it. There's been no rain for three years and six months. The last great revival on these shores that we know of is in 1949 on the Hebrides. But here he stands, as it were, in a spiritual drought. And he turns to the servant of the Lord and he says these words. 
There is this sound of abundance of rain. That word abundance means the rumbling of rain. You hear me this morning. He heard something that no one else was hearing. He heard something that was impossible to hear with the natural remit of man. He said there is. He didn't say there's going to be. He said there is the sound. There was a sound that Elijah heard that no one else heard. There was a sound of an abundance. There was an abundance of rain that was, that was heard in the ears of Elijah that no one else could hear. Here's a man with all the same feelings, senses, even the flaws like everyone else of us. And he heard not just a sound, but he heard a sign of an abundance of rain. You look at him. I mean, they must have thought that the man was mad. There hadn't been a raindrop in three years and six months. And now he's declaring to his servant, there is the sign of the abundance of rain. You can see the servant perhaps just looking up into the sky and seeing that beautiful clear blue sky, not a cloud in the sky, and then looking at Elijah. You see, he was going beyond the realm of the normal. He was going beyond the realm of what we can do in the church structures. He heard something beyond the natural ear. He said, there is the sound of the abundance of rain. I can see the servant. He must have. He must have looked at him for a moment. Maybe considered, Elijah, you're hearing this. No one else can hear what you're hearing. But he knew when the servant of the Lord was speaking, the prophet of the Lord, he knew that he had a faith that could hear that no one else could hear. May God give us an ear in this day that we hear what God is saying. Not so much what all the opinion is. Not so much about what everyone in the church thinks. Not so much about what the politicians are saying. Not so much about what all the experts are saying. But friends, what is the Spirit of the Lord saying at this time? He says there is the sound. There is the sign. There is the sign of the abundance of rain. Here we see a cry in the heart, a faith in hearing, and an obedience before the living God. To hear that sound. You know what he did? He moved himself to the very top of the mountain. You know, the further up you go, there's less voices to hear. The higher you climb, if I was to go to Newcastle this morning and I was to climb Donard and get to the top, the higher I go, the less people I'm going to bump into. Because sometimes we got to go high up with the Lord in order to shut out all the other voices that are speaking to us. Sometimes we got to get alone with the Lord. Sometimes we got to cry out to the Lord from the depths of our being. Sometimes we got to shut out all the other voices, turn off all the sermons that we're listening to, and just get alone with God Himself. As He gets to the top of the mountain, many might think that He met, He met, He got to the pinnacle of life. But the Bible says, you know, here it is, friends, again. Here's the true character of a man that's after God. It says he cast himself down to the ground. You know, the only way up in God is to go down. 
He cast himself to the ground. The Bible says he put his face between his knees. Yes, he heard a sound. You know already if someone heard the sound, they'd be selling books. They'd have tables out the back. They'd be on all the television programs. They'd be selling t-shirts about them hearing the sound. But Elijah knew, i got to get alone with God. i got to cast myself down into the ground. i got to get my face between my knees. What's he talking about? It speaks here of a humble heart. He heard a sound. What did he do? He cast himself down. Friends, this morning we must get ourselves down before the throne of God. We must get ourselves down. This is no legalistic beating up yourself. This is a man or a woman that wants to humble themselves before the Almighty. They're not ashamed to get on their knees. They're not ashamed to lie on their face. They're not ashamed to get at an altar. They're not ashamed to get down on their chair. They're not ashamed to cry out to God for mercy, for the great need that there is. In Ezra chapter 9, if you turn to it as we close, Ezra chapter 9 and verse 1, we read here that Ezra the scribe, again we know the time and the context, as God's people are coming back from their time of Babylon captivity. But it says in Ezra 9 and 1, Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, The people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations. When Ezra heard that there was still this mixture with amongst the people, this mixture of worldliness, this mixture within the church of the flesh, and all the mixing of sin and all the immorality that's in the church today. And Ezra, when he heard these things, it says in verse 5, that he rent his garments and his mantle. He fell on his knees and he spread out his hands before the Lord God. He really was broken because of the sin, the backsliddenness of the church. He was broken because of the immorality that was in amongst the people. And today we have it the same amongst the church of Jesus Christ, whether it's the pulpit or the pew, brothers and sisters, the immorality. And there was no real contrition. And we see here that Ezra gets on his knees. He rends his garments. It wasn't him, but he knew he was grieved because God was grieved. And he spread out his hands before the Lord. In verse 6 he says, I am ashamed and and blushed to lift my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are up over our head and our trespasses has grown to the heaven. This was his people. This was God's people. He cries out to the Lord and he talks about the sins that have been committed. And he says, oh God, he's crying out for mercy. In verse 8 this is what he says, and now Lord, for a little space, grace has been showed. From the Lord our God. Friends, I believe God's given us a little space and grace. He's left us a time to get things right. Things are going to move very quickly after this. Many people don't believe that. Many people think this is not it. Many people think we're many, many years to go. Many people think everything's going to get back to normal very soon. I want to tell you things are changing and changing fast. And God's given us a little space. It's called grace. He showed mercy to us. To leave us a remnant to escape. And to give us a nail in his holy place. There's a place where we can come. You know I love that, that statement. It can mean so many things. He's given us a nail 
in the holy place. I'll tell you, friends, what that means. Just for me, what the Lord showed me. You know, a nail. You can take your old garments off. Your old garments that are stained with sin. You can hang them on this nail in the holy place. And you can leave the holy place with a new garment this morning. Oh, you can leave washed this morning. You can take the old garments that are stained with sin. And you can hang them on that nail. And praise the Lord, you can put the garments of righteousness. And you can leave, that's the grace of God. God, you've given us a nail in the holy place. God made light in our eyes. And he says, give us a little reviving in our bondage. Brothers and sisters, this morning, Elijah says to the servant, go up. And the servant comes back with a report. Know what he said? How many times have you went up and prayed, sought the Lord? You come back with this report. Nothing. Nothing. And Elijah says, go again. How many times have you prayed and the report's the same? Nothing. Nothing. I want to tell you something, friends. That seventh time is the perfect time. Seven, that number of perfection. God's time is always perfect. He said, there ariseth a cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And it came to pass. I love those words. It came to pass. The heaven was black with clouds and with wind. And there was a great rain. There's a great rain. Brothers and sisters, there's a great revival. There's a great outpouring. There's a great move of the Spirit of God. If you have an ear, you'll hear. Are you willing to move and release us from the structures of tradition and all the things that we so easily even can create ourselves to allow the rain to come? We've got to get down. We've got to get down in order to go up. He's given us space, grace at this time. Get your garment that's stained with sin. Get it off. There's a nail in the holy place. Hook it on. Praise the Lord this morning. You can leave washed. Father, this morning we give you thanks and praise for your word. Pray that you would bless your word to our hearts. Pray that you would enable us to hear. Make us willing. Make us pliable. Lord, I pray we get down, really get down before you in humility. Lord, that you will answer. You will come. You will send us the rain. Lord, there is, there is the sound. There is the sound of the abundance of rain. Bless your people today. We give you the glory in Jesus' name.